Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I want to encourage you to pick up my mystery novel, Slime Incorporated. It's a modern novel that finds private detective Cole Eustick running right up into a case of corruption and dirty politics in the Idaho governor's race. Uh, and it pays a lot of homage to uh, golden age uh, detective fiction, but it's a thoroughly modern story. And you can pick it up as a paperback, an audiobook, in the Audible or iTunes store, or also as an ebook. That's Slime Incorporated. Also pick it up at store.greatdetectives.net. Well, it's time for our very last visit with Inspector Thorne. The original air date is September the 27th, 1951. And this one is the Society Rider Murder Case. And now the National Broadcasting Company presents Inspector Thorne in... The Society Writer Murder Case. Tonight, the National Broadcasting Company presents the exploits of the spectacular young Inspector Thorne of the Homicide Bureau, whose investigations rank with many of the most celebrated ones in the annals of crime fiction. An investigator is smart enough to claim he is dumb and modest enough to believe it. Tonight, Inspector Thorne turns to the Society Writer Murder Case. As tonight's Inspector Thorne Murder Case opens, we see Christopher Hudson, the successful Society Writer, working at the typewriter in his study. Then, as the door opens... Christopher Hudson looks up and says the words that are an overture to death. Uh, what? What are you doing with that gun? Have you gone mad? Stop! You can't... You... You'll never get away with it. Never. And a short time later, Inspector Thorne of Homicide and his assistant, Sergeant Muggan, 
are in the living room of the murdered Christopher Hudson's house. And Thorne is saying to the murdered man's attractive wife, Betsy, I don't understand, Mrs. Hudson. You say it was almost ten minutes after you returned home that you first discovered your husband Christopher's body. Yes, Inspector Thorne. I, I thought he was working. I didn't want to disturb him. Well, then why did you go into the room ten minutes later? Lunch was ready. There. There it is, on the table. Hmm. I suppose I should have put the food away, but nothing seems to matter now. Will you take Sergeant Muggett and me to the scene of the murder, Mrs. Hudson? Yes, if it will help you, Inspector Thorne. Uh, where were you before you returned home, Mrs. Hudson? Shopping. Buying fall clothes. The packages are right there on the hall table, Inspector Thorne. Yes, I see. This is Chris's study. He always worked here. I know this isn't easy for you, Mrs. Hudson. Wow, this room looks like a cyclone, isn't it, Chief? It sure does, Sergeant Morgan. Desk drawers turned upside down, books pulled out of the shelves. Funny, Chief. The murderer turned the room inside out, but he didn't go through the dead man's pockets. Which makes it look as if the murderer found what he wanted. Inspector Thorne, if you don't mind, could I go back to the living room? Seeing Chris like this? Yes, of course. We'll go with you, Mrs. Hudson. Just what was your husband, Christopher, working on at the moment? As I told you, Inspector Thorne, Chris was a writer. He wrote magazine articles about famous people. Uh, please sit down, Mrs. Hudson. Thank if my memory serves me right, I think your husband was sometimes referred to as a society biographer. That's right. Since we've been married, Chris has been doing a great many articles about well-known society people for the better magazine. You say since you've been married? Yes, Inspector Thorne. You see, that was the one way I, I could help my husband. Before I was married, my name was Betsy Binghamton. Binghamton? According to the society columns my wife reads, Chief, the Binghamtons got here before the Mayflower. I've heard of your family, Mrs. Hudson. Well, we no longer have any money. But I could introduce my husband to my friends. That gave him a chance to write feature stories about people who had never before allowed themselves to be interviewed. By marrying you, your husband practically guaranteed his success, didn't he, Mrs. Hudson? That's not why he married me, Inspector Thorne. Chris and I were very much in love. Well, at first, he absolutely refused to let me introduce him to any of the people who could help him. But I made him see how foolish that was. Your husband must have made a lot of enemies, writing things about people which they mightn't like to see in print. Chris never made any enemies. He wouldn't publish anything without the person's consent. Chris had only friends, Inspector Thorne. Friends don't usually murder a man, Mrs. Hudson. Whose biography was your husband Christopher working on right now? He just finished one of Janice Stewart. Janice Stewart? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't exactly call her someone who was hard to interview, Chief. She seems to live for the chance to make the headlines. Debutante plans to go over Niagara in a barrel. Society Deb wins speed race. Yeah, Sergeant Muggan is right, Mrs. Hudson. You couldn't exactly call a biography of Janice Stewart an exclusive interview. But she was news, big news. And she told Chris things she wouldn't tell just any ordinary writer. Well, that's interesting. Sergeant Muggan, would you send one of the boys over to pick up Janice Stewart? Tell him to bring her here right away. Okay, Inspector Thorne. Uh, Mrs. Hudson, Janice Stewart, besides being a... Highly publicized society girl is also a very beautiful young woman. Yes, she is, Inspector Thorne. But if you're suggesting that I was jealous, you're wrong. My husband had been interviewing beautiful women long before we, we met, but he asked me to marry him. And I've never had any reason to be jealous. We didn't have to go after Janice Stewart, Chief. She came to us. That's Inspector Thorne of Homicide, Miss Stewart. Sit down, please, Miss Stewart. Oh, Betsy, dear. I heard about Chris's murder on the radio. 
And I thought maybe there was something I could do to help you. Why, thank you, Janice. That was very kind. Uh, Mrs. Hudson, I'd like to talk to Janice Stewart alone. Of course. I'll go up to my room, if that's all right. Just as long as you don't leave the house. Well, I really don't see what we have to talk about, Inspector Thorne. Christopher Hudson had just finished a feature story on you, Janice. That's right. Me and a couple thousand other people. Christopher Hudson worked very closely with the people he was writing about. Oh, he kept on interviewing me for weeks. I was pretty sick of him, believe me. Well, if you felt that way about it, why didn't you stop the interviews? It seemed a shame after he'd put in all that work. You're not usually noted for your consideration of people, Janice Stewart. Some of your past escapades have been mighty high-handed. I promised Roger and Victoria I'd be nice to him. Be nice to him? Now, don't start looking for meanings that don't exist, Inspector Thorne. Roger and Victoria seemed to think a lot of Christopher Hudson. And they felt it would help his career if if I gave him some inside stuff about myself to write up. Well, just who are Roger and Victoria? Roger and Victoria Blake. You know, she inherited a couple of million, and he's what they call a uh, leader of industry. Uh, And the Blakes introduced you to Christopher Hudson? Yes. They're good friends of Chris's wife, Betsy. I see. I never knew her myself until Chris started interviewing me. Yet you came right here when you heard about Christopher Hudson's murder. You came here, you say, to offer his wife, Betsy, your help. That's right. It seemed the least I could do. Unless the newspapers have been maligning you badly, Janice, a kind offer like that isn't very much in keeping with your usual actions. Look, Inspector Thorne, I've told you all I know. And if you don't want to believe me, that's your business. I'm glad you realize that, Janice. Knowing the whole truth about every suspect in a murder case is my business. Oh, so now I'm a suspect. Well, have it your way. You're very composed about it, Janice. Oh, I've had little run-ins with the police before. My guardian, Jeffrey Drew, usually straightens it out. Nobody can straighten out a murder charge. Well, unless you're going to charge me with murder right now, I think I'll run along, Inspector Thorne. I have a date for cocktail. There's one more thing. I'd like to see a copy of that feature article Christopher Hudson wrote about you, Janice? Well, uh, there must be some copies around. When is it being published? Oh, it isn't. Uh, that is, I I don't think he made any arrangements. Well, that'd be rather unusual. In any case, he must have given you a copy. I should imagine you'd want to check it over. Uh, he did, but I don't know where it is now. I really wasn't terribly interested. Well, I suggest you look around for your copy of the biography, Janice. Oh, of course I will. Goodbye, Inspector Thorne. Hmm. There goes a very worried young woman, Sergeant Muggan. She calmed down awful fast when you asked her for the biography Hudson wrote about her. That's why I want the boys to make a very thorough search of this house for a copy of that biography. Meanwhile, Muggan, you and I are going to pay a call on the people who recommended Christopher Hudson to Janice Stewart. A call on Roger and Victoria Blake. A few minutes later, Inspector Thorne and Sergeant Muggan arrive at the home of Roger and Victoria Blake. As they walk up to the front door, they hear angry voices coming from a window overlooking the garden path. And Inspector Thorne says, Sergeant Muggan, do you hear those voices? Couldn't miss them. Should I ring the bell? No, I think we'll just walk up closer to that window first, the one the voices seem to be coming from. Careful, Muggan. We don't want them to hear us. That's no excuse, Roger Blake. You may be a leader of industry, but it's my money you're spending. Victoria, please. I'm warning you, Roger Blake. If you keep on throwing away money the way you've been doing, I'll ruin you. I'll leave you without a cent. Victoria, come back I'll here. be in my room, Roger, when you decide to tell me the truth about how you've been spending my money. Let's go, Muggan. I want to find out more about the quick-tempered Blakes. 
Yes, what is it? I'm Inspector Thorne of Homicide. This is Sergeant Muggan. We'd like to see Mr. and Mrs. Blake. If you'll wait, please, I'll see if they're in. Uh, never mind, Chester. I'll see Inspector Thorne and his assistant. Mr. Roger Blake? That's right. Um, you may go, Chester. Yes, sir. Won't you come in and sit down, please, Inspector Thorne? You haven't asked us why we're here, Mr. Blake. That's quite unusual. I can guess why you're here. I heard about Christopher Hudson's death on my radio. I'll be happy to give you any assistance I can. Well, how well did you know Christopher Hudson? I've known his wife, Betsy, all my life. I became well acquainted with Chris after he did a feature story on me and my wife, Victoria. Chris and I spent a great deal of time together. And you liked the murdered man, Mr. Blake? Oh, very much. Chris was a fine fellow. Intelligent, keen, very entertaining. Hmm. Where were you this morning, Mr. Blake, between 11 and 12? <laughs> That's easy. I was out driving with my wife. That's a lie, Roger, and you know it. Victoria, what are you saying? Oh, uh, uh, excuse me, this is Inspector Thorne of Homicide. I know, the butler told me. I'm sorry to barge in on you so unceremoniously. I'm glad you did, Mrs. Blake. So, you say your husband, Roger, was not with you when the murder occurred. That's right, Inspector Thorne. We did go out driving this morning, but around 11 o'clock, Roger left me at my dressmaker's and didn't return for at least an hour. Victoria, how can you say that? This is a murder case. That's exactly why I am saying it, Roger. Murder is too serious to trifle with the truth. You're a very intelligent woman, Mrs. Blake. And that's why I have something else to tell you, Inspector Thorne. I heard what my husband was saying about Christopher Hudson, and there wasn't a word of truth in that either. Victoria. What do you mean, Mrs. Blake? Christopher Hudson was not a fine fellow. He was a strange, eccentric man with no talent, no charm at all. He was given to violent outbursts about the strangest things. Inspector Thorne, my wife is inclined to judge people too harshly. What would you think, Inspector Thorne, of a man who sits down to dine with you and throws the butter dish to the floor? Throws it deliberately? Very deliberately. You see, among other things, Christopher Hudson didn't like butter. And so he considered it a personal insult for anyone to put butter on the table before him. Is this true, Mr. Blake? Uh, yes, it's true. But none of us is perfect. He, he was a writer. And you know how writers are. He may have called himself a writer, but he never proved it to me. Hmm. Didn't you like the article he wrote about you and your husband? It's hard to say, since I never saw it. Oh, it was never published, Mr. Blake? No, it wasn't published, Inspector Thorne. In fact, if I hadn't seen Christopher hand a copy of the article to Roger, I'd be convinced it was never even written. Chris wasn't satisfied with what he'd done, Inspector Thorne. He was going to write it over again. Well, may I have the copy he gave you, Mr. Blake? I don't have it anymore. I uh, threw it away. This is beginning to sound familiar, isn't it, Chief? Very familiar, Sergeant Morgan. Janice Stewart also claims to have mislaid the copy of the feature article Christopher Hudson wrote about her, Mr. Blake. Speaking of Janice Stewart reminds me of something, Inspector Thorne. Yes? Excuse me, madame, this registered letter just came for oh, you. Oh, thank you, Chester. You may go now. Oh, will you excuse me, Inspector Thorne? I can't imagine who would send me a registered letter. If you don't mind. What is it, Mrs. Blake? What's wrong? Uh, it... it... It's nothing. Nothing at all. There was something in that letter that gave you a very bad shock, Mrs. Blake. It, it, it's bad news about my sister. I, If you'll excuse me, Inspector Thorne, I, I don't feel at all well. I think maybe it'd better stay a while, Mrs. Uh, Blake. No, Sergeant Morgan. We wouldn't want to intrude upon Mrs. Blake at a time like this. But she... Thank you both for your cooperation. I'll be at my office if you recall anything further that might have bearing on the murder of Christopher Hudson. Come along, Sergeant Morgan.
And back at his office in the Homicide Bureau, we hear Inspector Thorne talking to his puzzled assistant, Sergeant Muggin. <laughs> of course you were right, Muggin. Victoria Blake wasn't telling us the truth about that special delivery, that registered letter she received. Then why did you let her think she was getting away with that lie about her sick sister? Because we may be able to learn more from her if she's off guard. And there's a great deal we still have to learn about Christopher Hudson and the people he knew before we come anywhere near discovering his murderer. She was funny about those biographies you wrote. The boys couldn't find a thing about Janice Stewart or Roger and Victoria Blake in any of his papers. Well, I'm positive Roger Blake destroyed his copy. But if the boys get a chance to search Janice Stewart's house, I have an idea they might find something there. They'll search it the first time she goes out. I'll take it, Morgan. Homicide, Inspector Thorne speaking. What? When was that? Yes, we'll be right over. What's happened, Chief? Come on, Muggin. We're going to Red Lawn Hospital. Roger Blake is there with two bullets in him. Inspector Thorne in the Society Writer murder case will return in just a moment. But first... It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. With the fall season officially upon us, we see that there are many things which have changed. The breeze off the river now carries with it a slight hint of the chill north wind. The trees in the valley shiver at the first cold touch of frost, and the leaves burst into worlds of color. The lights go on earlier as night seems to settle sooner on the big cities. Yes, changes have come with the season. And changes have come with our new fall schedule. A schedule designed with your radio entertainment in mind. For example, this Sunday you'll be able to hear The Big Show. A full 90 minutes of music, drama, and comedy. The Big Show will come to you this Sunday with your unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. And such luminaries of the motion picture and theater world as Joan Fontan, Sir Lawrence Olivier, Fred Allen, George Sanders, and Vivian Lee. And next Tuesday night, Bob Hope and Fibber McGee and Molly return to their duties around the NBC microphone. Then on Wednesday, Groucho Marx brings you his comedy quiz show, You Bet Your Life. And on October the 14th, that's on a Sunday, the Eddie Cantor show returns to NBC. Yes, with Bob Hope, Fibber McGee and Molly, Groucho Marx and Eddie Cantor, we assure you that this will be NBC's greatest comedy season. Incidentally, in the current issue of Coronet Magazine, you can read about NBC's top comedians. Make a program note to hear The Big Show this Sunday. Next Tuesday brings you Bob Hope and Fibber McGee and Molly. Then Wednesday features more comedy with Groucho Marx. And on Sunday, October the 14th, hear The Eddie Cantor Show. Yes, for radio entertainment at its best, keep tuned to this, your NBC station. Now, back to Inspector Thorne and the Society Writer Murder Case. When Betsy Hudson reports the murder of her husband, Christopher, 
a writer who specialized in doing biographies of society people, Inspector Thorne can find no trace of the biographies Christopher Hudson had written about willful society girl Janice Stewart and socially prominent Roger and Victoria Blake. Then, a call comes in to Inspector Thorne's office that someone has attempted to murder Roger Blake. And now we find Inspector Thorne at Red Lawn Hospital, speaking to Roger's wife, Victoria. The doctors say that your husband is still unconscious, Mrs. Blake. But fortunately, the shots didn't strike any vital spot. He'll recover. Oh, Inspector Thorne, I just can't believe any of this. Why would anyone want to murder my husband, Roger? Uh, tell me exactly what happened. Well, I don't know. I was in my room upstairs. This was right after you left the house, Inspector Thorne. I heard shots, and when I ran downstairs, I found Roger lying on the floor in the living room. What about your butler, Chester? Didn't he see anyone? He was in the kitchen. He reached the living room just as I did. I guess we'll have to wait for Mr. Blake to regain consciousness to hear the whole story. Chief. Yes, Sergeant Morgan. The doc says it'll be at least a couple hours before Blake comes to. Uh, well, then there's no point in our staying here, Morgan. Unless you have something further to add, Mrs. Blake. There is something. Something I started to tell you earlier about Janice Stewart. Yes? A few weeks ago, I was driving out on the island, and I saw Janice Stewart and Christopher Hudson walking into a little out-of-the-way restaurant. Hmm. Willful young debutante Janice told me she had only a business-like relationship with a murdered man. That isn't all I saw, Inspector Thorne. Following right behind them in her car was Christopher Hudson's wife, Betsy. The wife who says she was never jealous. <laughs> Sergeant Morgan, go back to the office and rush the boys on those reports. I think it's time I paid another visit to the murdered man's wife, Betsy Hudson. <laughs> Yes? Oh, it's you, Inspector Thorne. Yes, I'd like to speak to you, Mrs. Hudson. And you're just the person I want to see, Inspector Thorne. I have your murderer for you. She's lying, Inspector Thorne. Don't listen to a word she's saying. Janice Stewart, what are you doing here? I came to help her, but I think she's gone mad. Help me? She came to destroy evidence, Inspector Thorne. The evidence that will prove she murdered my husband. What evidence is that, Mrs. Hudson? I don't know. But I left her here alone for a moment, and, and when I returned, she was going through the drawers of that desk right there. What earthly reason would I have for going through Christopher Hudson's things, Inspector Thorne? Why, I hardly knew the man. Was well, that why you went to an out-of-the-way restaurant on the island with him, Janice Stewart? What? Why, I never... Oh, don't bother denying it. Your good friend Victoria Blake saw you there. That's the kind of woman Janice Stewart is, Inspector Thorne. A spoiled man-chaser. What about you, Betsy Hudson? Victoria Blake said she saw you following your husband, Christopher, and Janet Stewart in your car. Answer that one, Betsy, dear. I'll be very happy to answer. My husband asked me to follow, and Janice insisted on that meeting. He, he couldn't refuse, or she'd call off the interviews. But he told me he didn't want this lovesick young debutante getting her clutches into him. He what? Of all the hypocritical liars, wild. Yes, Janice? Nothing. There isn't a word of truth in any of this, of course. You were going to give me your reasons, Janice, for this meeting with Christopher. You'll just have to take my word for it, Inspector Thorne. You see, she can't really deny what I said. Perhaps not. But your story does seem a bit far-fetched, Mrs. Hudson. Husbands don't usually invite their wives to follow them when they're meeting other women. I can give you proof. It's right here in my purse. Here. This piece of paper. There are directions on it. Yes. Directions my husband Chris wrote out for me. Directions to get to that out-of-the-way restaurant where he was meeting Janice. That's Chris's handwriting, believe me. Well, we can check that easily enough. Well, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. And you, Janice Stewart. 
You've both been a great help to me. A short time later, we see Inspector Thorne entering his office at the Homicide Bureau. And we hear him say to Sergeant Muggan, What about those reports on our suspects, Muggan? Here's something big, Chief. Yeah? The biography that the murdered man Christopher Hudson wrote about debutante Janice Stewart. Good work, Muggan. They finally got into her apartment. The boys say she had this biography hidden so good they almost missed it. Anything in it, Chief? Mm, not so far, Muggan. Seems pretty ordinary. Born with a silver spoon, went to best schools, had the biggest coming out party in society's history. Everybody knows that about Janice Stewart. Been in the papers a million times. Ah, but here's something that was never in the papers, Muggan. What's that, Chief? The answer to the mystery of Christopher Hudson and to the person who murdered him. Muggan, I want Victoria Blake, Janice Stewart, and the murdered man's wife, Betsy Hudson, brought to the hospital where Roger Blake is immediately. We're going to wind up this case right now. And now, Inspector Thorne is at the hospital talking to three of his suspects in the sitting room outside the sick room of his fourth suspect, Roger Blake. And we hear Inspector Thorne say, You'll know who the murderer is before we leave this hospital. Inspector Thorne, you must speak to the doctor. My husband, Roger, has regained consciousness, but they won't let me in to see him. I asked him to keep everyone out of Roger Blake's room until I arrive. You'll see your husband in a minute, Mrs. Blake. I hope this won't take long, Inspector Thorne. At first, when I found Chris's body, I felt so numb, nothing seemed to reach me. But now, I don't think I can stand much more. Well, it won't take long, Mrs. Hudson. You have my promise. Well, why can't we go in and see Roger Blake now? What are we waiting for? Uh, because I want to have a word with you first, Janice Stewart. Muggin, can I have that folder? Here it is, Chief. How, how did you find that? I had it hidden. Well, you can see there's no point in lying to me any longer, Janice. I have the biography which Christopher Hudson wrote about you. But I didn't murder him, Inspector Thorne. But you don't deny you were paying him blackmail money. Blackmail? To my husband, Chris? Yes, Mrs. Hudson. Your husband was a blackmailer, and he used you with your social background to introduce him to his victim. That's not true. It can't be true. It's true, all right, Betsy Hudson, and I'm the girl that can prove it. Chris used that gag about doing my biography to get into the house and go through every paper I had there. And he found one that I should have destroyed long ago. It was a clipping of a hit-and-run accident, Janice. An accident for which the police could never trace the car or the driver. But I didn't mean to run over that little boy, Inspector Thorne. I was going so fast. Hit-and-run isn't in my department, Janice. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it belongs under homicide. Christopher Hudson wrote the whole thing in my biography. And then he threatened to publish it just that way. Unless I paid him blackmail. She killed my husband, Inspector Thorne. Why don't you arrest her? There are still a few things to clear up, Betsy Hudson. The shooting of Roger Blake, for one thing. The doc says we can go in to see him now, but to make it a short visit. You don't have to go in there, Inspector Thorne. I shot my husband, Roger. Because of that registered letter you received, Mrs. Blake. That letter that contained proof of the fact that your husband had been unfaithful to you, eh? Yes. Christopher Hudson wrote that letter when he first started blackmailing my husband. He left it with his lawyers and warned Roger that if anything happened to him, his lawyers would send the letter to me. Chris warned me of the same thing. He said a letter containing the evidence of my hit-and-run accident would go to my guardian, and it did. I know that, Janice Stewart. I spoke to your guardian just before I came here. He's turning the evidence over to the proper department. I shot my husband, Roger Inspector Thorne. I shot him in a rage after reading the letter that Christopher Hudson's lawyer had sent to me after his death. But I didn't kill Christopher, 
At the time he was murdered, I knew nothing about the blackmail. I had no reason to kill him. But what about your husband, Roger? Blackmail gives him a good motive. Roger couldn't have killed your husband, Betsy. He was with me at the time of the murder. You denied it when he said so earlier. I was angry at him over money. I didn't know it was going to a blackmailer then. But I'm telling you the truth now, Inspector Thorne. Roger was with me from 11 until 12 this morning. Any one of them could have done it, Inspector Thorne. If my husband Chris was really blackmailing them, and I still don't believe it, then they must have hated him enough to kill him. Perhaps. But they also knew that after his death, the letters he'd written would reveal the secrets they were trying so hard to hide. But you had no such fear, Betsy Hudson. Me? Why should I kill my husband? I loved him. Love can be very close to hate, especially to a jealous woman. Jealous? I told you... You told me many things, Mrs. Hudson, but they don't agree with the facts. You didn't know that your husband, Christopher, was a blackmailer. I'm glad you admit that much, Inspector Thorne. So naturally, it never occurred to you that a blackmailer likes to meet his victims where no one can overhear their conversation. To you, it had looked like a love affair. If you mean Chris's meeting with Janice, I told you about that. He asked me to follow. He wrote out the directions for me. He wrote out the directions for himself. You followed your husband and Janice out of jealousy. But you'd seen those directions. And that's why you ransacked his study to find the paper on which they were written. After you murdered him. I didn't kill Chris. I didn't. Mrs. Blake, will you repeat what you once told me about Christopher Hudson's dislike for butter? Why, he couldn't even stand the sight of it, Inspector Thorne. Is this true, Betsy Hudson? I guess so. What about it? You told me that you had no idea your husband was dead until after you'd gotten lunch ready and went in to call him. That's the truth. I saw that lunch you prepared for your husband. Bacon and tomato sandwiches. Thickly filled with butter. No, Betsy Hudson. Your husband was already dead when you prepared that lunch as part of your alibi. And you knew it because you'd killed him. Yes, 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 I killed him. As I killed him, and it's funny, isn't it? I was jealous because I thought there was something between Chris and Janice Stewart. And there was, was, but not love. Only blackmail. With your strange sense of humor, Betsy Hudson, I'm sure you'll find much to amuse you while you're waiting in the death house. Take her in, Sergeant Muggan. The Society Writer Murder Case. The part of Inspector Thorne is played by Stotts Cotsworth. Direction by Edward Slattery. The script was written by Geraldine Merkin, based on the original story by Frank and Ann Hummert, and was brought to you by the National Broadcasting Company. This is Fred Collins speaking. Next week, hear Groucho Marx and Eddie Cantor on NBC.
this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, she slipped up with that butter. <laughs> okay, that's pretty much all I have for this episode, and I know it's weak, but that's about all there is to say. Uh, I strongly suspected blackmail. I think I had that in mind even when I first heard it, and definitely on this uh, re-listening. Uh, and so Inspector Thorne comes to an end, uh, and we do have at least uh, one email on it. Uh, we may have others, uh, but Andrew writes in, uh, Well, dear Adam, well, the stats Cotsworth Thorne is much better than Weber's. I liked him in early TV. He was a good actor, but Thorne just wasn't for him. I wonder if, if the show had a longer run, uh, run it would have had a longer run if they had started with Cotsworth. I see that you plan, plan to play Rocky Jordan one of these days. Have you listened to any? Great programs. You are in for a treat. Uh, have a joyous Easter. Uh, well, thanks so much. And uh, to answer the second question first, I have listened to Rocky Jordan. I've not listened to all of it, but what I have heard, I've definitely liked. It's a very unique show, though it draws from some similar plots uh, compared to uh, other uh, detective programs, particularly in the hard-boiled genre. Uh, Regarding Stats Cotsworth, I don't think the show would have lasted much longer. The reason for that was just the time that it launched. It was launched in 1951. And we have listened to so many great, or at least pretty good, series that were launched by NBC uh, after uh, the first half of 1950, and pretty much all of them fell flat and only got one season. Uh, whether it was uh, whether it was Nero Wolf with Sidney Greenstreet or Crime and Peter Chambers, or Easy Money. And I think all of these are defensively really good concepts. If if NBC had launched these programs, say, in 1948, and I think uh, the, the shows would have been more successful, I think the same is true of Inspector Thorne. If this show had launched in 1948 and had launched with Cotsworth, it it would have been a successful show. Probably would have run for five seasons. We've heard episodes of other Hummert series, uh, Hearthstone of the Death Squad, and also the uh, uh, the Mister Chameleon series, and. Those were not as good as Inspector Thorne, but they lasted longer just because of when they started. And so that really was the key thing. At this point, just the number of NBC series that were tried out in the 1950s and failed, it really wasn't the lead actor. It was just a big declining market for uh, detective programs. And it was 
it was hard to get started. You get it to after 1951, and the momentum for advertising revenue had gone all the way to television. It had been moving that direction even in the early 1950s, but 1951 was the first year that TV out-earned radio, and it really just dropped from there. And the shows that were on radio were those that were established and uh, lasted. And the newer programs, they just really didn't tend to find an audience. Uh, it was particularly true of detective programs, and probably the only exception to that was the adult westerns, particularly with Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, and uh, science fiction anthology uh, with, uh, with uh, X-1. Dimension X didn't last long, but X-1 did. But it really was a very tough time to launch a new radio series. So thanks so much for the email, and uh, you have a great Easter as well. And uh, as I said, this brings to an end Inspector Thorne, but we will be revisiting the Frank Graham version of Jeff Regan. And that will be next week, so be sure and listen to that then. Join us back here tomorrow for Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>